Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag Pottern family or follow at Pottern family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag Pottern family or at Pottern family on Twitter. Part of the Rewatching Good Television Podcast Network. It's the Sorkin Cast. Here's your host, Matthew Murdick. Hey there, and welcome back to the Sorkin Cast. Back and better than ever, it's episode 57 of the podcast, where this week we are covering The Newsroom, season one, episode seven, five slash one, five one, May one. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am from sorkincast.wordpress.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things this podcast. You can find the back episodes of the podcast. You can find contact links. You can find social media links. And you can find podcast app links. And if you could take the time to leave me a written review on the iTunes or Stitcher stores, I would very much appreciate it because it helps me stay more noticeable and Helps me know what you like and dislike about the podcast. And if you do so before Tuesday, December 6, 2016, then you will be included in our feedback podcast as well. And I'm taking any feedback right now for any of the episodes of uh, the season one of the newsroom, which is episodes one through ten. Feel free to get your feedback on any of those episodes to me. Again, same deadline, December 6th, 2016. You might also want to include your favorite and least favorite episode of Season 1 of Newsroom or favorite and least favorite scene, favorite and least favorite main character, favorite and least favorite guest star. And uh, if you do that, we'll include all of that in the Newsroom Season 1 Awards. That's enough about the podcast. Let's get straight into talking about this episode again. Season 1, Episode 7, 5-1, written by Aaron Sorkin, directed by Joshua Marston. The episode first aired on August 5th of 2012 and was viewed by an estimated 1.76 million viewers. Here's your episode summary. During a party at Will's apartment, Charlie receives a call from an anonymous source telling him that he will receive an email from the White House press secretary. The email informs him of an impending nationwide presidential address. Will, who is high after eating a large share of marijuana brownies, joins the team as it races to the ACN newsroom to discover what the address will be about, and some assume it is to announce the death of Osama bin Laden. The news that bin Laden has been killed by American Special Forces is soon confirmed and Will, still high on marijuana, is able to report it. Now, uh, normally we would do a clip here with funny moments from the episode or maybe one singular poignant moment from the episode and we call that the rundown. But this week we are going to do six episode clips instead as you know, Sorkin, like all of us, was very traumatized greatly by the events of 9-11 and even quickly wrote and shot a, a story to the premiere of the third season of The West Wing in response to the attacks. This episode was kind of his way to express his relief in the bringing down of a man that caused those events. And while there are definitely humorous moments in this episode, I, I feel like he was trying hard to express a full gamut of individual reactions to the announcement of the killing of bin Laden. So I chose to use the clip time uh, to focus more on that rather than just uh, using one of my clips to just uh, highlight funny moments. And with that, we're going to move on to clip one. At a one-year anniversary party for Newsnight, Charlie gets an anonymous tip. Will gets high on some pot brownies. Jim and Maggie discuss that Lisa has said the I love you thing and his response. Then the higher ups start getting messages and the team gets into action speculating what's going on. In roughly 90 minutes, you're going to get an email from the White House telling you to get to work. I am. That's it. Should I be telling people to get to work now? And do what? You tell me. 
If I could, I would have already. I'm not trying to play a game. I have 7.30. At 9 Eastern, you're going to get an email from White House Press Secretary Jay Carney telling you to get to work. And when that happens, you'll know that I was for real. Is anyone in danger? No. Someone's in danger and you're not no telling me. No one's in danger, Charlie. This isn't a scary call. I'm just establishing my credibility. Why? Why do you need me to believe you're credible? Hello? Anyway, thank you and thank your friend in L.A. for getting this for No problem. He said they're pretty strong, so you should just break off a quarter and eat that. <clears throat> when this guy says they're strong, they're strong. I ate two. Okay. Well, enjoy yourself, and we'll see you in 12 to 14 hours. It's fine. I, I have incredibly high tolerance. That's why I can't feel the Vicodin. You took Vicodin and then ate two cookies. Mm-hmm. He's fine. You're fine. Just stay away from anything dangerous. Electricity, you know, outside. I'm fine. I don't feel it at all. You will. We'll see. My body has a physical tolerance of 10 men. Doctors have called me a medical marvel. Yeah, I just lie down. But if you want to see a real marvel, Kaylee is going to play Jim at Guitar Hero, and Kaylee is going to be blindfolded. You should come watch. I will. You can't keep telling her you love her if you don't. Which is why, frankly, I would have preferred not to take the call. You think blaming me is going to be a winning strategy? No. What are you going to do now? Well, obviously, I have to leave the country. You have to break up with her. Why? You can't have a relationship where one person's here and the other person's there. Really? Where's Don? Don's on a plane back from D.C. And was that a dig wrapped in a metaphor? No. I think it was a dig wrapped in a metaphor. I have to break up with her? Yes. You don't think that's going to come as a surprise after I told her I loved her? I do, yes. I think it'll be a surprise. I'll write her a nice letter. No. Everybody likes getting mail. You're not overseas fighting World War One. You have to do it in person, and you have to do it tonight. In the middle of a party? No. When she gets here, you'll tell her you'd like to take a walk. Hang on. And she's not that sexy. Yes, she is. Just because of her sweet face? Yeah, that's it. I think... From Mike Tapley. I'm available. Call me. Why would Tapley want me to call him? Hey, I get that she has physical attributes that are prized by the hey, superficial Tapley, male. Hey, our own national security analyst... Stay here and look around and find out what he's talking about. Where do I start? Uh, start by emailing him back and asking what are you talking about. Do not take a tone with me, American Gigolo. I wasn't taking... I... Get to work. Who's it from? White House. What does yours say? Orders to address the country at 10.30 EST on matter of national security. Hang on. It's Kaylee, right? What's wrong? The Rock. He has a cousin who's a Navy SEAL? Yeah. And tell me what his tweet said? Um. Just got word that will shock the world. Land of the free, home of the brave. Damn proud to be an American. He's coming back to avenge Triple H. No, he's not. Everybody quiet down. Fine. Martin, throw me the remote. It's right next to you. The president's speaking in 90 minutes on a matter of national security. That's all we know right now. 30 minutes from now, I want to know a lot more than that. Four people to a cat. Let's go. What do you think it is? It could be Gaddafi. It could be Iran. They could have fired on a ship in the Gulf. Jimmy Carter just got back from North Korea. Did have learned something? We could be under attack. But what do you think it is? I think we got Bin Laden. Okay, first off, I don't really see how Charlie possibly came up with the Bin Laden thing so quickly, um, unless it's just supposed to demonstrate that, you know, that he has been a newsman all his life and is just instinctually great. But to me, based on late for dinner's call on a tweet by The Rock, it just seems a little bit of a stretch to me. It, it, It seems also to me that, you know, basically Bin Laden was brought up early on in the episode, so it might explain what the title of the episode meant as well. Sorkin could throw it in there saying, oh, Charlie's brilliant. He knows what it is. And oh, yeah, that is the date that this happened. Maybe it was something like that. And it had already been established that Will occasionally smokes pot. He had with the girl with the gun. Right. Uh, And now he's he's doing the brownies. But I, I can't help wonder if if part of it is because he's just uncomfortable having so many people in his home at the same time. Uh, given the whole telling the people to to leave comment, 
uh, to Mac. I had cut that out of the episode clips, but I thought that that was kind of funny and uh, pretty typical of Will. You know, he's just now getting into where he's knowing everybody's name and he, he's actually caring about people, but all of them in his house at the same time, maybe not. I mean, that might have been a stretch. We also found out in the prior episode about the fact that Will plays guitar. Uh, that was brought up during opposition research, and now we get to see it. And I really kind of wish that I had better trivia knowledge about this. I, I wonder if this is something that Jeff Daniels wanted to include about his character, or maybe Sorkin just found out that, that Daniels plays and has put out several albums, actually, um, and just decided to include it into the story. Um, just just kind of like the whole thing he did with the Jackal for Alice and Janney in the West Wing. I can't even remember what season that was, but Alice and Janney did uh, a version of the Jackal in the West Wing, which ma- made her famous. And it was because she had performed it in front of some of the cast or crew or something, and, and Sorkin caught wind and then wrote it into a later episode. And as I said earlier, I, I think Sorkin was really trying to show a, a full gamut of reactions to the news of bin Laden being killed. And, and I think that's cool that he used the character of Kaylee, um, who had really only made an appearance prior uh, in the New Year's episode. And he did a really good job of, of fleshing Kaylee out um, in a very short period of time to where we did identify with her and identified with her feelings later on. I mean, just in this little space of time, we do find out that uh, she can get you some serious marijuana brownies um that she's a guitar hero aficionado and we're going to find out more about her as we go along so we'll talk about that then now as for jim and maggie i mean i could totally see jim just being polite and saying i love you too but (laughs) you know sometimes i know that the sorkin kind of set up this whole series to make jim kind of be the hero and don maybe kind of like the anti-hero uh in a way and uh to me this is just jim not only being stupid but he's being cowardly and definitely not uh thinking about the long-term feelings even though i think it's pretty clear that that maggie is hurt by the situation um I think she's right in saying that it's not healthy for one person to be in one place or another place. Um, I don't know. Breaking up might have been a little bit of an extreme reaction. Um, I, and I just to ask you guys, is that good advice that she's given Jim there to break up with Lisa? Or is it just wishful thinking? And I guess that's all I have on that clip. So let's move on to clip two, where Sloan, Don, and Elliot are trapped on a plane as messages come through, and traffic makes Will take off running away from Lonnie's protection. The team speculates more about what the news will be. The plane crew figures out the news isn't bad, and a very high Will finally arrives. You okay now, or are you worried you can't find the airport from here? I'm all about safety. Yeah, I'm sure if we went to the burn unit, Timothy Guyton would say that... Damn it. My phone was on the whole time. It's out of juice. Could you guys scroll through your messages and see if there's anything I need to know? My daughter. Daddy, are you the smartest man in the world? <laughs> scroll, scroll. Shit. Jesus. Hey. Excuse me, would you mind just switching seats with that woman? We're like almost at the gate. I know it sounds crazy, but would you do it for me? Well, can I get your number? Sure. No. I will give you her number. I mean, come on. I think you can just give me a How chance. How old are you? I'm old enough. Excuse me, you have to stay seated until we're at the gate. Points for trying? Throw me your phone. You think they're still at the party? Not anymore. Guys, wait till we're off the plane. There's just too much we don't know and too many words we don't want to say out loud. What's going on? See? No, I mean the plane's stopping. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain. Well, no good deed goes unpunished. We arrived ten minutes early and ground traffic control doesn't have a gate for us. No, no, no. It'll be just a few minutes and then we'll have you on your way. You can't get out of the car without me. Motherfucker! Get back here! You are not safe out here! McAvoy, get back! God damn it! Sir, is there a problem? There's a guy running west. He, he's, he's gonna go north on 5th. Just calm down. I'm calm, officer, but that Please man cannot be Please step back in your vehicle. The keys are inside. Hey, hey, Could hey, you hey, just hey. move it over to the side? I'm private calm security. Calm down and step back. Please, listen Turn to me. Turn around and place your hands on the car. Officer. Turn around and place your hands on the car. I'm gonna kill him. What was that? 
Officers, I'm armed. They shut his arm. Put your hands on the car. I'm licensed to carry. And there's a weapon currently on your person. Under my jacket on my left side. It's loaded with the safety arm. My carry permit's in my back right pocket. I work for Blue North Security, and my client is at large. You're a big guy, okay? Don't do anything that's going to make us nervous. Nothing I can do about being big and black at the same time. It's Bin Laden, Mac. We want it to be Bin Laden. Let's not let the wish be the father of the thought. Obviously, we're pursuing Bin Laden, but let's just talk about what else it could be. Gaddafi. Follow it. Put together a team out there. What about outside the box? Way, way outside the box. <clears throat> All right, here I go. What? A study published in the Astrophysical Journal estimates there are 10 trillion planetary systems in the known universe. Which one are you from? She said outside the box. Then she added way, way outside the box. Besides the near certainty that intelligent life exists outside this planet, there are Are you suggesting that we've made contact with beings from another planet? Is that your suggestion? You said way outside the box. Come back in the box. The birth certificate. What about it? What if the long forms of forgery and the president's resigning? I think it's more likely that E.T.'s standing on the Truman balcony. So should I... No. Where's Will? Generator in the East Room. It's not bad news. The, the gate's right there. It's right out the window. I can see it. I'm practically touching it right now. Take it easy. It's right there. Well, folks, this is the captain. Good news, our gate is opened up. Thank you. But this is a tow-in gate. No. So it'll be just a few more minutes. Let me out. Let me out, and I will push the plane to the gate. You guys know it's Ben Laden, don't you? Believe me, when we know it's Ben Laden, you'll know. I'd have expected it to be a lot more chaotic. Since the first day Mackenzie got here, we've been practicing this once a month. We do dry runs. Obviously, there are always wild cards you can't predict. Hey, little buddy. Oh, boy. Are you all right? Yeah. It's Bin Laden or Gaddafi, and the White House pushed it 15 minutes at 10.45. God. Have you ever noticed how we've never been able to agree on a way to spell Gaddafi? Q-A-K-A-G... Well, are you able to... Gaddafi would have been a NATO operation. I've spoken with Wesley Clark, who called NATO HQ, and Brussels, they don't know anything. You've already spoken to NATO HQ? When I was getting the falafel. Kaylee, <clears throat> I need to be able to count on your discretion. You can't imagine how important this night is. You're going to be great. Just keep drinking water. All right. The stuff with the crazy stewardess and, and, and Will being high were, were both funny. Uh, and there's lots of comments that I cut from the plane clips, like stuff about Maggie, um, Sloan staving off all of these flirts. But that was all good. Now, as for Will, it, it, it seems totally unrealistic that he would even be able to find ACN headquarters uh, in the state that he's in. I, I understand the need for humor, of course, and, and it is pretty funny. Um, but uh, Will just taking off running, stopping for a falafel. Um, stopping for a falafel makes sense, actually, but I don't know about actually even finding the building, uh, especially if it's like 27 blocks away or whatever Lonnie says. And the team meeting was funny to a degree as well. Um, but I, I don't know... Is a news team really put through these kinds of hoops? I wish I had Bubba here to, to explain to me um, how that goes. If, that I mean, I understand that if the White House is going to announce something when they want as much media coverage involved as possible, um, if it's good news especially. But in, in this case, Sorkin seems to have the White House holding back, uh, where in the West Wing there were strategies often to soften things with leaks like with the whole Bartlett MS thing at the end of season two. And I guess what I'm really trying to say is I'm not really sure if Sorkin knows how it works. And so now between the two series, he's played either side of the coin. Um, or maybe he's just showing that depending on the situation, it could work either way. Um, that's fine with me. Um, finally, you heard me state about how Sorkin sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly, uh, brings up social issues that concern him um, and is usually ahead of the curve um, for pointing out most of these things. Um, he did a great deal of that in the West Wing. I think that the case uh, with Lonnie having more trouble with the police officers than you think he should have is really an indication that Sorkin's already been thinking about race relations with law enforcement for some time. 
Um, and really, uh, it's always existed. Let's face it, it's always existed. But it wasn't really a big topic of discussion in the main media until Ferguson or New York or Chicago or Cleveland. And obviously, um, like I said, it's been happening for a long time before those instances. But again, Sorkin had his take on it and was putting a thing out there kind of subtly in this case, or not so subtly, depending on what you, when you think about Lonnie's statement. But he, he's putting it out there maybe in the hopes that we would start talking about it before all of these tragedies happened uh, in the recent years. And I guess that's all I have for clip two. So let's move on to clip three, where Will tells Mac he has to cover the story. Mac gets double confirmation, but Charlie is hesitant to announce. Kaylee is reminded of her losses at 9-11 by the confirmation of bin Laden being killed. And Mac has to fight with the DC anchor as to when to make the announcement. I can't remember how to tie a Windsor knot. and I can tie a square knot and a sheep shank. That's well, not useful right now. What is wrong with you? I'm wasted, okay? I'm completely baked. What? I had, okay, listen. Oh, no. No, no, it's okay. Oh, my God. No, listen, Neil's girlfriend, and you should see her. She can play Guitar Hero blind. Oh, my God. No, you're right. It doesn't matter. Let me back it up. When you're pitching, you have your push-off leg and your landing leg. That landing leg, as you can see, takes a lot of force when you come down on it like that. Boom, like that. And marijuana this is, is suggested. You can't do this. I, I'm a medical marvel. You can't go on the air. My body has the melatonical tolerance of 10. Metabolical. What did I say? Well, Kent, listen to me. There is no way, no way I'm not reporting this story. We've got Chris Hawken at Sancom and Helene Cooper at the New York Times. We got him. Let's go. No. What do you mean? We're not going yet. We got double confirmation. First of all, we don't. We have Hawken at CENTCOM and a reporter saying she has two sources. I don't know who the sources are. It's Helene Cooper. It's solid. We're not going. Charlie. There's nothing wrong with waiting for the White House to tell us it's reportable. This isn't Watergate. They're not the enemy. We don't know what's going on. We sent military assets into sovereign airspace. Maybe they're not out yet. Maybe someone's injured on the ground. Maybe someone's been taken prisoner and the rescue operation is underway. Maybe we're at war with Pakistan. Guys, in 91, I was cheering on my guy in Tel Aviv who was reporting where the Scud missiles were landing. Turns out the Iraqis didn't know where the missiles were landing and I was helping them range their targets. Three killed, 96 injured in that operation. Geraldo's probably still up the street saying we're in a dogfight with Finland. Whatever happened tonight, I promised you, lives and a presidency were put on the line. We're going to get this one right. And if we're two minutes late, let that be a small penance for all the ones we got wrong. It would make me feel better when it happened, like an on-off switch. Of course it doesn't. You knew someone in one of the towers? My father was a partner at Kent's of Fitzgerald. You've been celebrating around you all night. You should. Everybody should. I guess you get back to work. That's right. No, I want you to. Washington's keeping the audience warm for Will. We're getting our facts straight. We got Bin Laden. What do you want? For one thing, I don't want it reported like the Redskins won the Super Bowl. I don't believe you people. We're waiting for the White House to tell us it's reportable. We're not. Jane. Jane! Okay, I just received Cut the fiber from Washington. From the the yeah. And it doesn't seem to be embargoed. Copy. Think she got the message yet? Couple of more seconds. Okay. Bring him back. Hi. Damn it, Mac. Move one inch in that direction again, and you're blacked out for the night. 
The decision to go will be made by the president of the news division, Charlie Skinner, and the announcement will be made by the face and voice of Atlantis Cable News, Will McAvoy. I really love hearing more about Charlie. I mean, this guy has had a life, and that was a sad moment for him, obviously, losing people because he was giving uh, the Scud information over to Iraq. His consideration is really so measured. His consideration is really just so measured, uh, and it's amazing and, and kind of patriotic. And and he's not thumping his chest with, I was right. He knew he was right. He just doesn't want to endanger anybody by being right. And uh, I, I love that. And I actually love how the entire staff gets behind him, especially McKenzie getting on that uh, DC anchor. I mean, these would be extremely hard decisions. And I don't think you can blame the DC anchor for wanting to report it. But I suppose you can blame her for resenting that New York gets to get the glory or whatever, and especially for disobeying Mac's order. And, of course, Mac puts her in her place. And like I've been teasing almost all podcasts, you get finally the the, uh, gamut of reactions as to uh, the confirmation of of Osama bin Laden being killed. Um, In part... There's a part that I cut out. Um, in a in a part that I cut out, there's a great deal of celebration when Charlie announces to the staff in the room. But for Kaylee, um, someone who we've developed very well, who gave Will advice about drinking water, you know, showed a great deal of confidence in him earlier. Um, she lost someone in this attack, and, and it doesn't take away her sadness about losing her father in the towers. And I I wonder if for people who did lose people in the towers, uh, maybe, you know, the announcement of of bin Laden being killed actually um, brought them back to a place of sadness. A lot of people like that because they were reminded. um, I mean, I'm sure that there's a certain sense of justice about it, but nonetheless, they're, they're reminded uh, of the loss that they experienced. Um, I didn't lose anybody in the tower, so I can't say for sure, of course, but I, I just wonder if, um, you know, finding out that bin Laden had been killed uh, was a very mixed bag for a lot of people in the United States. And that's all I have for that clip, so let's move on to clip four, where Maggie and Jim talk again, then Lisa breaks up with Jim, and then tells Maggie why. What are you working on? Will asked me to look over his intro copy. Wow, that's a compliment. I know Charlie's right, but I wish we'd get on there. This is just counterintuitive. So's Lisa being attracted to you, but you still have to deal with that. Are you kidding? I'm not doing it tonight. You have to. Tonight. You can't sleep with her again. Why are you sure I would? She is very sexy because of her sexy sexiness and the very sexual sexiosity of the... Tell me what you're going to say. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to say. You need to rehearse. I don't need to rehearse. You want to be like Spider-Man? I'd love to. The musical. They didn't have enough rehearsal and actors died. Jim, they lost their lives. I don't think anybody died. Well, they got bruised pretty bad, so tell me what you're going to say. Lisa, you kind of took me by surprise last night when you told me. She's just coming over to dummy up. Okay, but thank God we're not in the middle of breaking news. Hey, you mind if I talk to Jim a second? No, I'll be right there at my desk. It's right there. Where? Right there. I'm sorry, where? Okay. It's too bad the SEALs are in Pakistan tonight because they'd be getting some mad ass if they were in New York City. (laughs) <laughs> Lisa, this is I the worst to... possible time but I feel ridiculous because you guys are talking about me and I'm standing there no we weren't we weren't Shh. talking about you last night I said something that forced you to say it too and that's not fair I didn't feel forced this was a fix up that you never wanted and it went too far and now I have to let you off the hook because you're so nice that we'd be searching for preschools before I realized that you were just being polite I'm breaking up with you. Just say okay. I really did like you. Just say okay. Okay. 
Okay. Um, I'm gonna go talk to Spy Girl. Get to work. That's an order. And thanks for bringing me here for this. Look, work. I... What happened? I broke up with him. He did? I mean, you did what? I saw your face when I was talking on the phone and he said I love you. He said I do too, and what are you talking about? I'm not doing this to you anymore. You're not doing anything to me. I've got Don. I shouldn't even be standing here. I'm with Don. I saw your face. Come with me. James Tiberius Harper. Not my middle name. Lisa is, un no, is under the impression that you broke up with her because you have feelings for me. I didn't break up with her at all. But you were about to. Any reason she needed to know that? She already knew. This is not all embarrassing. And she is under the impression that I also have feelings for you. Did you hear we killed bin Laden? We're in a holding pattern. Now, can we please state clearly, unambiguously, and for the record, that neither of us likes the other in any romantic context? I so state. As do I. <laughs> you guys can't begin to imagine how unconvincing that was. Is that all right if I stay for the president's address? Yes, but we're not nearly done talking about this yet. Maggie, I need you. Not nearly done. I'll be over there out of the way. Wait, I... Just say, okay. Okay. You know... I don't think we've given Lisa enough credit. Um, she's kind of seemed like the other foe for the whole Jim Maggie thing. But I mean, Lisa is really sharp and, and she's very forgiving and she's very mature. Um, a lot more seemingly mature than most of the people in that newsroom. Um, and she's thinking of her friend Maggie first. She knows, you know, Lisa was the one that Maggie was talking to on the phone. Um, back when Jim helped her calm down from her panic attack, you know, so Lisa has known for a long time how Maggie uh, kind of had a mini crush on on Jim, um, even if just for a moment and perhaps still has. Um, but this whole thing has really kind of devolved into a, a really, really awkward situation for Jim and Maggie. Um, and yet Lisa was able to rise above all of it with a, a great deal of, of dignity and class. And, um, I really started liking, uh, Lisa at this moment and we're going to get more of her in the series as we go. Speaking of which, I'm going to have a couple of spoiler things as we, uh, go along as well. Um, we'll have a, a little spoiler section at the end of this podcast after the end music, if you haven't already seen the newsroom, then you probably want to stay away from that. But if you've already seen the newsroom, then maybe you want to check that out. I, I did, you know, there's not else much to talk about in terms of this, except just how awkward it is for Jim and, and for Maggie. And, and again, how cool Lisa is. I, I thought that that was a, a great moment to bring her to the forefront um, and see her be her rather than just uh, much less of a, a caricature um, than she had been up to this point. And I think that's all I got, so let's move on to clip five, where Don, Sloan, and Elliot are still trapped on the plane, but when passengers start asking questions, Don gets to tell the captain and co-pilot about bin Laden. Back in the newsroom, Jim tries to patch things up with Lisa, and Lonnie finally gets to the newsroom very angry with Will. I'm the guy who wins a lottery and loses a ticket. Biggest story in a generation, and I'm a spectator. You are not a spectator. We are locked on a plane, and we still help put it together. That's pretty good. What is this compulsion you have to look on the bright side? I can never count on you to be Jewish. If it helps, we should probably be concerned about violent retaliation. That does help, man. Thanks. My regret is that I'd like to have been with my wife for this. Johnny, wake up the kids, bring down the studio. We'd all watch together. Yes, I'd like to be with your wife, too. I'd like to be in the newsroom with Will and Charlie and her and you. And Maggie. I said Maggie. No, you didn't. You didn't. So you have to ask yourself, what happens when you and Maggie break up? What you know is going to happen. And Jim's with someone else. Folks, there hasn't been a terrorist attack. None of your friends and family are in danger. The president will be speaking in just a few minutes. No! 
Listen, they're just nervous I because... I don't care. You do not take over control of the cabin. They're getting emails and going online and seeing... You do the... not take over control of the cabin, ever. Ma'am... Now sit down No, and... you know... I'm getting the captain. Yeah, get the captain, because I'd like to have a word with him. The seatbelt while we're standing still is one thing, but how paranoid do you have to be to think that I'm declaring myself in charge of the... Is there a problem, sir? Yeah, I was just asking how paranoid you have to... You have to be... Sir? Sir? Captain, my name is Don Kiefer. That's Elliot Hirsch, and that's Sloan Sabbath. We work for Atlantis Cable News, and we wanted you and your first officer and flight attendant crazy lady to be the first ones on this plane to know that our armed forces killed Osama bin Laden for you tonight. You're serious? Yes, sir. Yes. This was a fix-up that I didn't want. And Maggie forced Valentine's Day on me, and there was a certain amount of cowardly behavior disguised as politeness. But now, I'd like to ask you out on a first date. A complete do-over. I like you, and I'm asking you out on a date. Took your breath away, didn't I? Now I get to make a cool exit. Less cool because you said so. You don't have to shout. You haven't heard me shout. Where is he? Lonnie! Good evening, officers. Uh Uh-oh. There's no way they can know, right? Can we help you? Mr. McAvoy, you know this man? Of course. He's a very famous jockey. You know what? We'd appreciate your cooperation. He's my bodyguard, and I ran out of the car because we were stuck in traffic, and chances are he abandoned the car to try to protect me because he's good at his job. He's also a former MP in the U.S. Army, so I want to tell him something. Lonnie, come here. You should tell them. You should tell them. Officers, I have some news for you. I I really like Lonnie. Um, I had to cut a lot of his back and forths with Will in the Bullies episode, but this stuff is is great here. And and Will, in kind of a very Bartlett moment, made everything okay and and had the insight to let Lonnie tell the guys, uh, the cops, about Bin Laden. Um, that's kind of a bond that the two officers and, and a man they had arrested could share together for the rest of their lives. Um, the way that Sorkin, I perhaps would hope that any cop and, and someone mistaken for a criminal could be. Um, and you know, it's his way of, of patching up <laughs> in a, in a very quasi kind of way, patching up race relations, showing that, um, no matter how different we are, there are things that we all share. Um, maybe that's what he's trying to say there. And I love that Don gets to have his moment too. You know, there are times when Don has been set up to just hate him. Uh, and the, I love the whole passenger commenting about Maggie as well, basically taking the place of an audience member who, who has seen the love triangle trope one too many times. Um, that whole bit about, well, what are you going to do when you break up with her and, and he's with whatever and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then you have these moments for Don where he realizes how much bigger life is than just him seeing the service pins on the captain and the co-pilot uh, that, that that brings him to the realization that this is what's important and, and i thought it was a very moving and, and patriotic and respectful moment paying tribute to all of the servicemen and women who went abroad for wars in afghanistan and iraq on a quest for justice uh, in regards to 9-11. And, you know, a lot of those people did give their lives in, in those efforts. And it's reminding us that no matter whether you agreed with those wars or not, just never stop honoring the people who risked everything for your chance to say whether we should be in those wars or not. Uh, 
not only that, but I think in his own tiny way, um, Don gets to break the story, right? So he, he doesn't end up feeling as worthless as he did the whole time in the plane. He get he gets to have a moment. Uh, and, and that was a, a beautiful way to, to make us head jerk on our opinions uh, about Don yet again, because there, there are these back and forths. But I, like Bubba said in, in our first podcast, um, you know, they paint Don to be, quote unquote, the bad guy. Um, but he's really not. And with that, let's move on to clip six, where Charlie gets a call back from his anonymous tipper. The team gets the go-ahead from the White House to announce the story, and Will prefaces President Obama's address. This is Charlie Skinner. So, we've established trust? Is this late for dinner? Yeah. You work for the White House or DOD? Neither. You've been calling me on a cell phone. There are about 19 different ways. The calls are encrypted. I know how to find out who I am, but you don't. So you're with the NSA? I am. I'm with a unit that's been monitoring illegal electronic surveillance. By whom? By AWM. News of the world isn't the only tabloid that figured out how to hack a phone. If you're fucking around... I think by now you know I'm not. You've got a big night ahead of you. We'll talk again. When? When I want to. AWM owns a tabloid magazine, TMI. Are you saying you have evidence that they've been engaging in the same kind of... You're not there, are you? Charlie. Charlie? What if I told you that Bin Laden wasn't the only story we got tonight? What are you talking about? Don't worry about it. I think we should go. Jay Carney or someone in his office would have sent us an email saying reportable. They also would have called us begging us not to report it. I'm unwilling to take that chance. When was the last time you checked your emails? Fifteen seconds ago. When was the last time you did? Hmm? Look at your Blackberry. Press the buttons! Sure. Okay. Not tonight, but in days to come. Uh, you'll look back and think that this moment was funny. It's from 20 minutes ago. Yeah, what does it say? OBL, reportable. Knock em dead, just like we did. Who's it from? Joe Biden. Are you kidding me? We used to play softball together when he was in the Senate. He knows something about the landing leg. Get over there! We're going! <laughs> Do it for me, Will. Good evening. From New York City, I'm Will McAvoy. ACN is now able to report and confirm that for the first time in almost three decades, the world has no reason to fear Osama bin Laden. In just a moment, in a live address to the nation, the president will announce that in a coordinated operation under the cover of darkness, U.S. special forces tonight killed the leader of al-Qaeda and the mastermind behind the deadly attack of September 11, 2001. It's been nine years, seven months, and 20 days since America's most wanted criminal took from us 2,977 American sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, friends and colleagues. We were transformed that morning into a different nation, more fearful and so, of course, more hostile. And while nothing, not even this victory our country has waited for for such a long time, can bring back the souls lost on that terrible morning in New York City, in Virginia, in a field in Pennsylvania, and all across America and the world. Let tonight serve as a welcome reminder that throughout our history, America's darkest days have always been followed by its finest hours. Here now, from the East Room of the White House, the President of the United States. Good evening. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of al-Qaeda, and a terrorist who's responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. It was nearly 10 years ago that a bright September day was darkened by the worst attack on the American people in our history. 
The images of 9-11 are seared into our national memory. Hijacked planes cutting through a cloudless September sky. That really was a, a, a great speech that Obama made during uh, that announcement in the, in the East Room. I, I remember that. And I thought it was very cool of them to use that as the end, uh, to go underneath the, the end credits of this particular episode. I thought that was a, a masterful stroke. Now, as for our guys uh, back in the newsroom, I mean, Will's contacts and sources are outstanding. Joe Biden is sending him messages. Come on, that's awesome. The vice president. But as a note of complete unbelievability, this guy who can't even check his email, can't operate his phone, and is called Ted Baxter by Charlie. Now he has that ability to deliver that copy so eloquently? No, that doesn't happen. I just feel like if they hadn't done that last phone bit, which was funny, it was great. Um, I might have believed that the drugs were wearing off. Um, and we've discussed how capable Will can be, even if he's a jerk. But he hasn't proven himself to be capable about anything on this particular night. So how is it that he's able to deliver such an eloquent um, you know, copy like that to preface the president's address. Now, on the other hand, Charlie is onto an even bigger personal and professional situation with this new NSA contact info, right? Now, now we don't have to worry so much about a mole in the newsroom itself. If the phone lines are being tapped, um, and, and that would eliminate the need to worry about any kind of mole or what have you. Um, and that, of course, points way up the ladder to either Leona or Reese, because somebody had to authorize TMI to be able to do that. It's either somebody very high up in TMI or above, um, and it might be above. And I guess that's all I have for this particular episode. So let's move on to my episode rating. This episode is very good. It's very patriotic. It's very uh, emotional on some levels. It has funny in it. Um, I really like this episode, in fact. I, I think that I'm going to give it uh, on my Sorkin scale again. I have to do it by my Sorkin scale. Would I put this one in uh, for a new viewer to recommend to them to get them into the series? Probably not. So that takes it from nine and above out. I think I will go 8.5. Nine on this one. I thought it was as close to a nine as you can really get. It's a it's a very good episode. There's lots of intrigue in it. Um, there's uh, some actual maturity in regards to all this love bullshit. So I, yeah, eight point nine is what I'm going. And reminder: next week, season one, episode eight, the blackout part one, tragedy porn. You can always contact the podcast. Uh, we'll get the links and and all of the information here in just a moment. But if you do so by December 6th of 2016, you'll be included in our feedback podcast, which will air the week after uh, we cover the season finale of the newsroom for season one. So any thoughts about the newsroom season one are more than welcome up until December 6th, 2016. Also include in that your favorite and least favorite episode of the newsroom season one or your favorite and least favorite scene or your favorite and least favorite main character or your favorite and least favorite guest star will have the newsroom awards for season one that uh, feedback podcast as well. So get your stuff in and uh, real quickly, you still have a couple of weeks to go to sorkincast.wordpress.com and vote on the poll in order to decide what we watch next because we can go to season three of West Wing. We could do a season of Sports Night, but you have to vote in the poll in order to make your voice heard because that's how I will decide. I will announce the results of that in our feedback podcast coming up on uh, in the second week of December as well. That's all I've got for this time, but... If you have seen all of the newsroom and you want to hear the spoiler section that I'll have after the end music, stick around. If you're watching it for the first time, I don't want to spoil you, so don't stick around. Here's all of my information. Thanks for listening, and take care. Find all of the back episodes, links, and more information at sorkincast.wordpress.com.
leave the podcast a written review at our iTunes or Stitcher store pages. To submit feedback send emails to sorkincast at gmail.com or call 314-669-1840. The Sorkin cast is a member of the Rewatching Good TV network. Hey, if you don't want to know spoilers about future episodes of the Newsroom, you're in the wrong place. But thanks for sticking around. If you do want to know the spoilers about Newsroom in the future, um, we're going to start right now. And it's going to be really short. I just wanted to make a comment about all of the stuff in the plane about Don and Sloan. I mean, was Sorkin just being a little too on the head with some of the comments regarding uh, Don and Maggie and Jim and Sloan, for that matter? One passenger asks Sloan if Don is her boyfriend. Well, we know that ends up kind of happening. What happens when Don and Maggie break up, but Jim is with someone else? That happens, too, Uh, even though it's not Lisa. Of course, it's the reporter that he ends up uh, meeting as he goes on the road to cover the presidential campaign. I just thought I'd point that out. That it was almost like Sorkin was saying, hey, here's actually what's going to happen. No need to ask the question. Um, I, I'm, I just have a feeling he had that planned all along, obviously by the end of season one, because of the way Sloan expresses herself to Don. And, and man, can you get more complicated? What are we up to now? A love Pentagon by the end of season one? It's just crazy. Uh, anyway, that's all I had to say. I, I just wanted to point out that those comments did end up being fulfilled in later episodes of the series. Thanks again for listening. Again, sorkincast.wordpress.com for all of the information regarding the podcast. Or you can find me on Twitter at Sorkincast. Take care.